millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. This is Dumpty Dum, sponsored by managers. is dedicated to Arsu, Queen Otart, who had her birthday last week. So if we're talking about Arsu and Queen Otart, this must be Dum Dee Dum, the show with the reality docudrama that is centred on Ambridge in the heart of the Midlands. I am the somewhat down, crest and fallen Lewis Hamilton fan, Royful Brown, which has got nothing to do with the Archers, but I've just been talking about Formula One with... The slowly ageing by the second to be the not-so-young anymore, Juliet Escape Christmas from Manchester. <laughs> this week's Dum to Dum tune is from Helen and her daughter Holly, and on this episode we'll hear from many of our lovely caller innerers. So we heard from Jen, Minxie Britt, Josh in the Pacific Northwest, Bernadette Talks, Stephen Bowden and Christine on email. Plus, as well as all that good stuff, we're going to hear Tweet of the Week from our Purple Pumpkin, and we have our social media roundup from our birthday girl, Suey. And of course, if we're talking about social media roundup, that means Facebook and we'll be mentioning our new members to our wonderful Facebook group. But first, let's take a look at the week in Ambridge from Arsu, the Queen or Tart. Hello, lovely people. It's Sue, Queen or Tart here on the Twitters with another week in Ambridge. And what a week it's been. On Sunday, we found out Jill has been littering the countryside by burrowing her cotton pants to check the soil quality. Although the experiment does appear to have been rather buggered up by Bess the dog digging them up. Shula wants Alice to take over the stables, which many of us have been shouting at the radio for weeks. I don't think it's just been me. Jazza agreed to piggyback on Alistair's birthday party for Chelsea's 18th and to celebrate Brad's GCSE results. It promises to be a proper culture clash. Banners for Jazz? Absolutely no banners for Alistair. And that's just the start of it. 
Music, food, everything. Alistair sounds like he could do without the party, to be honest. Tracy threw a proper wobbly over it, out of pride because of their reduced circumstances. This was made very clear when there was nought to eat in the cupboards, everything run out at the same time, and no toilet rolls. Oliver came to the rescue, taking Tracy to the food bank in Borchester. Whatever else you got from the archers this week, take away the kindness and sensitivity of the volunteer Shelley, who swept aside any issues and sent her home with enough food to keep them going for a few days. There was not a dry eye in our house. Sheila's going to rent her house to Josh and Ben. This makes perfect sense to no one except Shula. The boys will have to find rent money and fuel money, and Josh, at least, will have to commute back to the farm, and we all know how much effort a ten-minute commute is in Borchestershire. Josh and Beth did some bonding over the eggs, and it looks like Josh has lost his resistance to her moving into the stables. When Shula goes, there will be young voices in there, and apparently parties, which was definitely not part of her plan. Alice, in the meantime, is going to think about running the stables. First, she had to sort out the venue for the naming ceremony for Martha, and she managed to thaw out a frosty Susan by proposing Ambridge View. Susan cracked open a box of out-of-date chocks. Doesn't that sound lovely? And they bonded over a strawberry cream. Also bonding this week were David and Kenton over some sort of parting gift for Shula to take to Sunderland. Kenton got positively melancholic, but maybe he's going to drive up there with Shula, although he seems to have thought of some other idea that he hasn't yet shared. And David drank as much beer as he could get. The free beer was served by Tracy, who now has a more than part-time but less than full-time job at the Bull. She was in the right place at the right time and is clearly in a much better place than the chicken factory. Let's hope the ball stays in business, otherwise Ambridge will be a much darker place for many people, not only Tracy. I think she's going to end up volunteering at the food bank, and that seems only reasonable. Oh, Justin rumbled Rory's new job, and it's clear that Julianne is a smart cookie, and Rory could learn a lot from her. That was all a bit icky. Chelsea pinched Brad's soup, and he doesn't like vegetable soup. There was a good bit of home truths from Brad back to her. She did sound a little bit contrite, which opened us up to a mother-daughter chat. Tracy's tips were good at the ball, and she had a blast. Her Chelsea, however, admitted she's been a pillock, and things are about to get a lot worse. And she really is sorry. Sounds like another little horror bit is on the way. Well, till next week, let's hope it's a good one. Icky. Icky's always a good place to start, right? Justin, Julianne and our Rory. How did Justin Mm -hmm. know that there was a sexual relationship between the pair of them? I put it to you, Little Christmas, that the only way that he would have known, because he knows Julianne, that she has form with this, what do you reckon? I don't think she would have been openly talking about it with someone like Justin. I don't I don't know. Is there a vibe that she's giving off when she's in these situations or anything? I have so many thoughts about the Julianne Rory situation that I want to go into <laughs> throughout today. I don't know how I would have found out, but it feels a weird thing to be sort of 
just chatting with your fellow peers about, doesn't it? But well, it, well here's the thing. Maybe she's right. just quite a lot more open. Look, they're at a, at a conference. He sees Rory, who's 19, who he knows from the village. He then sees a business colleague. You're not automatically going to think, oh, they're stripping each other. You're just not. It's the middle of the day. You're at a conference. <laughs> no. <laughs> he is half her age. His story of being a looking for an apprenticeship, internship, whatever the heck, you know, whatever the heck he, he how exactly framed it, made sense. First, you know, work experience. There you go. Sorry. Work experience. That made sense. He thought on his feet very quickly. The fact that he went, oh, you don't have to say that to me, says to me that he knows <laughs> Julianne by reputation. Just saying. But anyway. Yeah, Rory will definitely not be the first. Hello, Ambridge3962. Right then, let's get stuck in with these calls because there's loads of things I need to get off my chest this week. Let's start in the Pacific Northwest with our Josh. As the week went by in Ambridge, a lot happened. But I want to look back at Jill's talk with, maybe I should say, at Beth on Sunday. There is, of course, a long-established stereotype of dads threatening their daughter's boyfriends. So it was interesting to hear that tone and message come from a grandmother to a girlfriend. But listening to the scene in my mind's eye, Jill was carefully polishing her flapjack tin with the same dead-eyed look as Charlie Swan had in the movie Twilight while polishing his shotguns before meeting Edward. I suspect in 12 years after Beth and Ben have taken over Brookfield and Beth has found her very own Sam Batten, we will hear a clip of the scene playing in her head as she cries in the shed and convinces herself to leave Ben, quote, for his own good. Mm. Thank you for that. Right then, Jill staring down Beth and saying, do not break my grandson's heart. I've got my eyes on you. I think it's a strange thing to do, isn't it? I find it weird when sort of parents and grandparents do that, unless obviously the other half is totally awful but then surely you'd just be saying don't be with them in the first place but Beth and Ben I feel like now they've had this tumultuous time of about a week I think it was in total wasn't it that they Mm. had a disagreement about Steph etc I just think now they're going to settle down in Ambridge have 2.4 children and then we'll hear a scandal from them again in maybe like 2030 2035 (laughs) like when something they need to spark up their relationship someone will have an affair but it just is always the way isn't it like they'll settle down have a lovely family and then there'll be another scandal when we've all forgotten about their lovely life you know I'm, I'm inclined to agree with you the way that they're being portrayed is Mr and Mrs Young but boring right there's going to be nothing spectacular about these pair moving on I I love me some Jill action and we had mm. underpants and we had her staring down Beth and just saying, look, yeah. you know, I'm a mother hen here. But the thing that really worried me this week about Jill, or shall we say Paddy, the actor that plays her, was her voice. It sounded to me like mm. she had like some, some real, some real, you know, larynx issues. And, and if she was that bad, should she even have been, you know, recording? It, it didn't 
sound it didn't sound like normal jill did it absolutely if, not if it was an illness etc they were like good bits like the jill and beth thing was i think needed but the other bits that she was in didn't feel like huge plot points or parts to the story that if she was poorly she didn't need to be a part of it but yeah it didn't sound quite the jill we all know yeah. and love and that's quite yeah. sad but if we ever want to test soil we know how to test the acidity of soil now very are undercrackers <laughs> Give it three weeks. If there's holes in them, soil's a good one. Soil is a good one. Hello, you two. Like many of us, you're probably wondering why Rory is drinking whiskey sours. He is, I'm sure, doing it to pretend to himself that he's a grown-up and not a mere toy boy. But why that particular cocktail? Why not something sophisticated like a martini or traditional like a Manhattan? I think the answer may lie in his love of supposedly classic films. Go back just three years from Jaws and consider Avanti, directed by the great Billy Wilder and starring Jack Lemon. Lemon's character, a successful businessman called Wendell Armbruster Jr., travels to Italy to arrange the repatriation of his father's body, where he meets an English girl, Pamela Piggott, played by Juliette Mills, who was the sister of Hayley Mills, there to do the same for her mother. They discover that the two had died in the same car crash and had in fact been having a long-running affair. In an iconic scene, Wendell and Pamela visit the bar of the Hotel Excelsior where their respective parents drank together and the barman serves them their parents' drinks. A Bacardi on the sweet side for Pamela and for Wendell, a whiskey sour on the sour side. Perhaps Rory sees something of himself in Wendell Armbruster Jr. Mm. I think that's a really mm. perceptive view on the drink of choice that Rory chose. And and very obviously, it wasn't just thrown in there. You know, he, he didn't say Bacardi Breezer, did he? Or, you know, a WKD. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> right. I just had to text my other half who used to be a really good barman. Used to, he still is, he just doesn't work in bars anymore. I had to ask why Whiskey Sours was so fancy. And he said, it's one of the first cocktails ever invented that's why people like them and they're very classic. I didn't know that. But yeah, that's something that like Rory would do just to sort of like, I think we've seen recently over the sort of like last few months or so is that he's got this sort of woe is me kind of attitude of like thinking that he's not come from wealth when he clearly is a rich boy. And <laughs> it's like he has this sort of like tiny violin playing. And I think he wants this sort of pretentious sort of attitude that he gets that obviously he does enjoy those films I'm not saying that he doesn't and all this sort of airs and graces but I think he just wants to impress Julianne and everyone in those circles now he's had a taste for it I think he wants to match that level but like I can't imagine when I was 19 and I was going on a date with a 19 year old and they'd be like oh I'll have like an old-fashioned or like a whiskey sours I'd have been like yeah can I just have (laughs) <laughs> a white wine spritz, please. Thanks very much. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But, you know, I'm not Julianne going out with a 19-year-old, so, you know, well, sorry. I suppose the Can't other really... thing, you want to mirror your partner, don't you? Right? You want to ingratiate yourself. You want to feel, yeah. you want them to feel comfortable with you. So this is him go basically saying, as a 19-year-old, I want a drink with whiskey in it, which is as my dad would say, a big yeah. man's drink. That's some something you have when you're 45 plus, <laughs> yeah. which denotes a certain level mm. of 
sophistication and world worldliness, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, as opposed to you know a drink with a whole load of bubbles in and pro- probably is pink. When you came on before, did we actually sit down and have a proper conversation about Rory and, and Julianne? I don't think we did. No, we didn't, did we? <laughs> I don't. Well, I tell you what, right, because yeah. this seems to be the storyline which has most excited the, the caller inners this week. So why don't we do Bernadette, mm-hmm. who's got right quite an original caller inner call this week, and then we'll come back and between you and I, we will sort out this whole issue between Rory and Julianne. Mark my words. <laughs> Perfect. Bernadette Hawks here at Archer's Fan 2015. This message is about Rory. And just a gigolo, and everywhere I go, people know the part I'm playing. Paid for every dance, selling its romance. Oh, the same. There will come a day, and youth will pass away. What will they say about me? When the end comes, I know there's a just a jigglos. Life goes on without me. Well, Rory is a gigolo in my book. By the way, he isn't a rent boy. A rent boy is a homophobic term usually used to describe a young man who sells sex to an older man. Rory is an escort, which used to mean no sex involved but the, de- the definitions become blurred over the years. Rory is a gigolo, and I worry about him and his future mental health and his self-esteem. Well, that's all I've got to say for today. Just a little bit more music. I got nobody Oh, and there's no kiss for me There's no Oh, Rory. Mm. Oh, Rory. So, where were we? You were about to tell me what you actually thought about this whole business and where you thought it was about to go. I'm, because I know you've got big things you need to get off your chest on Christmas. So, I'm just going to pull <laughs> up my chair, kick my feet up, and sip on my cocoa and let you let rip for the next. Ooh, how long do you need? <laughs> 15 minutes? Give me three outs. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I think <laughs> I'd like to start off on a little bit of a serious note when I talk right. about this because a f- couple of my friends did like sex work and stuff for uni to support themselves and they were all female friends. So I don't have any context of it being sort of the mm-hmm. other way around. And I think it's really interesting that the archers have decided to do this plot line the other way around. And I think with sex work through people who are doing it at university to fund their studies is like a lot more of a common thing now. And it's really interesting that they're pushing this line of him not using, seeing it as a financial working relationship anymore. And he's clearly starting to fall for her. I don't know what the script writers are trying to achieve with that. And I'm, I'm just really interested about where it's gonna go do you think julianne's gonna become a part of ambridge do you think she's gonna come and visit rory fall in love with the place forget her business world and come and take over bridge farm or something interesting (laughs) right here and now it could go one of a multiplicity of ways which one is she's gonna realize that she feels the same thing for him 
But I think what's more likely is that she's going to go, this is what this is, right? And as I said, I think Justin yeah. immediately twigging that they have a sexual relationship says to me that he knows her by reputation, that she has young men in tow. Not necessarily that she pays for it. I listen to that again and there is no hint of Rory fluffing a line and whatever as to the reason why he was there. And also just the context. It's the middle of the day. He didn't meet them at, at a wine bar at 11 o'clock at night in Birmingham. He met them at a conference in the middle no. of the day. So that says to me that she has form, which leads me to believe that she will go on to the next youngest newest model soon and rory's going to get hurt and it's significant that rory is an escort in that jenny has been his mother his de facto mother day in day out his whole life however he never called a mother and has always hankered after understandably the relationship which was lost with his biological mother so You've got to think he's seen Julianne as an idealised mother figure, even though he totally has one with Jenny. That's me with my pop psychology, but they're smarter people than me looking at me on this podcast. So Rory's got some... <laughs> So the ball is back in Rory's your... got some mummy issues there is what we're trying to absolutely, say. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. And you understand, as I said, the reasons why. Though it's a little bit yeah. sad because Jenny has been a phenomenal mother to him. Where many Amazing, a woman yeah. would have said to Brian, No, take your illegitimate child somewhere else. I am not going to be raising it. And by the way, here are divorce papers. Yeah. Fair enough. And she did a great mm. job. Like he seems to be becoming a great adult so far obviously we've not seen like a huge amount of him yet at university etc but yeah like he's clearly had a great relationship with her to a certain extent and she's done a great job raising him but yeah I think you're right got some mummy issues going on there if you were going to get <laughs> into the psychology of Rory and Julianne. <laughs> the, the, the other thing which I've got to commend you applaud you for saying that you had two friends who went to university that also did sex work and if you want to go into any more detail, yeah. that's entirely up to you. I know that through things like OnlyFans now, there's a much wider panoply yeah. of things which people can do. Because initially, I think when most people think of sex work, we do think of some people having sex. Whereas it's OnlyFans has now allowed people to perform, to strip, to simulate sex through the internet, etc. And it can be extremely lucrative there's the, there's no two ways about it but I, I think that there definitely is an issue where a small but significant proportion of students now are doing sex work to get themselves through university it's a thing right there's, and then there also there's another issue which the archers have brought up this week which is the crisis of living, which we are kind of going through, especially people on low and fixed incomes. And I, being the old socialist that I am, I got to always applaud <laughs> yeah. the writers for reminding us, especially 
us who are very comfortable in our middle class and we we watch the these things on the news and they don't necessarily actually touch us yes our energy bills are going up fourfold but we can kind of cope and we'll figure figure a way around it but for many people they kind of won't and the storyline with tracing and pivoting away from rory and julianne just for now it's not only timely but incredibly touching here was a woman who wanted to maintain her dignity and didn't want Oliver's handout. She said, no, you're not going to give me any money. I'm going to figure this out. And just so wants to work. So much so that she wanted the job interview. She wants to seen as being doing everything legitimately. No shortcuts and whatever, but by the sweat of her own brow. And I know that many people really moved by by that storyline this week. And it, and it needs to play out much longer. And I hope, I hope, I hope, when she, because she made a point of saying, that I think she's talking to Chelsea, and she said, Chelsea, this is not going to be as much money as the chicken factory. I, I don't hope she's going to be one of the working poor, but that would be a really powerful storyline. If she's fundamentally doing more than 30 hours a week, as 50% of people who are on government benefits actually are, but she still needs benefits and to be at, and to go down to the food bank to get through the week. Because that shows you how low the wages are for many people in, in our society. So great storyline. I hope they follow it through, but have her as the working poor. So we don't just say people on benefits, they're all scroungers and, and they're all lazy. But again, bravo to scriptwriters for uh, for dealing with sex work, but the other way around, not the way we traditionally see it, which forces us to think that little bit more. Yeah. And then with Rory, I thought, definitely, I said that you were going to talk for 15 minutes and I was going to kick my feet up and have my oval team. But, <laughs> <laughs> but it was you kicking your feet up and having Go your oval it. team. <laughs> No, I was just going to add as well that there was a really good documentary on Channel 4 about modern sex work that came out quite recently with Olivia Atwood hosting it. It's called Getting Filthy Rich and it looks at people doing OnlyFans as a full-time job, etc, etc. And then other people doing it through university and just different types of ways that people are making a living from it now. And I think it really opens your eyes to the modern way of people doing it recommend that if i'm allowed to uh, listen, in a recommendation it's only what i do here. every week last thing i'll <laughs> say about this is and I, I i find myself saying this repeatedly specifically to to americans when i finished higher education i was the last year with full grants and you had your, your rent paid via housing benefit and in the summer you could actually sign on as that you were unemployed i was the last year Mm. when all when all that took place which meant that me coming from a working class family I could go to higher education I'm kind of guessing yeah that back in 1990 1991 when I finished the amount of students who were doing sex work was negligible not like what it is now which is it's mm. small but significant negligible yeah. yeah and that's because working class kids like me could actually afford to go to university. Our parents could afford us to go. And through that, you have greater social mo mobility. 
I think as Brits, we need to take a long, hard look at ourselves with rising fees for Mm -hmm. tuition, what that then forces students to do, and also the types of people who are going into higher education. It's becoming rarefied fruit for people whose fathers were bus drivers because people are scared, understandably, of being saddled with debt for years going forward. Yeah. And in Britain, it's nothing like America where the debt that they're saddled with is like five, six times more. You know, it's chicken's feed in Britain. Mm -hmm. But there is utterly no need. We can afford, if they can do it in Scotland, we can allow every teenager go to university free of charge all right the the rent thing let's put that to one side i actually think rent should be free for students i.e to get housing benefit but that's not a a cross i'm prepared to die on but free higher education like they do in germany (laughs) canada sweden holland list off all these countries yeah. is actually what we need to do anyway i'll get off my soapbox i'm not running to be the prime minister <laughs> of this country to... i'm just a podcaster <laughs> i'd i'd very much vote Thank for you, you. <laughs> that's one vote i've got <laughs> i'd vote for you royfield <laughs> tell you what we need to do though let's go and tell everybody oh. how they can contribute to this podcast the best and easiest way for you to be a part of the merry band that is Dumpty Dum to record a message or a pop prediction is to go to www.speakpipe.com forward slash Dumpty Dum. Don't forget the T, it's Dumpty Dum. There's also a link in the show notes. We need your calls in by 6pm on a Sunday UK time. Please keep your call to a maximum of two minutes and bear in mind you need to be at least 18 to take part. We talked about the way in which you can contribute, but there are other ways in which you can help this podcast. First off, If you haven't done so already, hit the subscribe tab on whatever podcatcher that you're listening to us on. And if you wouldn't mind muchly, uh, a five-star review would be most awesome. Now, the last thing what you can do is to consider becoming a Patreon. And Patreon is a way of tipping creators like us. And there are different levels with different rewards. Just go to patreon.com, search for Dumpty Dum. It would be chuffed to bits to have your support now. Christmas, I've got some big news. Got some big news, Julia. This Ooh. Friday, we're having an evening with Sonny Ormond, who plays Lillian via Zoom. Are you going to be joining us, Miss Christmas? Ah, oh. when is it? Friday evening? Yeah, 7.30 on Zoom. Well, you don't 7:30. sound particularly that interested or even stoked. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's like, it's like oh, are you? What are you normally doing at 7 o'clock on a Friday? I'm actually doing a month of no drinking at the moment. So normally I would be in mm-hmm. a bar beer in hand but I'm trying to do a month of no drinking so it's lots of wholesome activities like walking did a car boot sale this morning and then I listened to the Archers Omnibus so if that doesn't make me a lot older than 28 I don't know well, what it does tell you what so. you can do <laughs> tell tragic, you what you can it? do next Friday 7 30 why don't you go for a long hard stiff walk put your boots on Right, go, go walking, <laughs> but w- with your phone, of course, and then you could watch us live on Zoom and you could contribute. Because what I've decided to do is oh <laughs> open up this Patreon session to all Dumdy Dummers. Now, I know I've said this before, but this Aww. will be the last time. All right, I think, you know, the Patreons do deserve a little <laughs> bit of specialness, but this is going to be the last time. So, and I just think Sonny is such a, a lovely fan of Dumdy Dum. And obviously all of us 
Archer's Aww. fans are a big fan of hers and the, the character who she plays, Lillian, that if you're on Facebook, we're going to post the link there to our Facebook group, obviously to all of our Patreons, obviously to all of our PayPal subscribers. You'll also get the link. If you subscribe to us via email, you'll also get a link. But this will be the last time. So 7.30 this oh. Friday, 7.30, obviously, that's UK time. We're going to be have an audience with Sonny Ormond, who plays Lillian. But it will be the last time that we do something like that before closing off to the Patreons. So there you go. There's our big news. Now, before we go back to our calls, don't forget, you can also send us an email if you don't fancy hearing your voice by going onto dumdum.com and hitting the Contact Us tab. And now it's Jen Ambridge Pony Club. Greetings, Royfield and Jacqueline. Jen here calling in. We've had a huge upheaval in Ambridge. First of all, we lost Peggy, one of the, the nicest and long, well, I don't know if she's nice, but anyway, a much loved stalwart. From the sounds of it, Shula has given her swan song. She's gone. Shula in real life being married to Brian it means there's a real risk of losing him too. Jill, God lover, is sounding frailer by the week. We lost Bert and Joe. Now, one of the great attractions of Ambridge is it's always been a multi-generational. They've always had, you know, stories for all the different age levels. But there was a period, I think it was round about Sean O'Connor, where he decided to go for the youth and Big Duck Pip as the beating heart of Ambridge, which was one of the greatest mistakes anybody ever made. So now we have a gap. They cleared out Mike. They cleared out Vicky. They got rid of Kathy. So without them... Now that the very old characters are going, we're not going to have any consistency. We're left with this herd of bland, interchangeable males that most of us can barely distinguish between and no real proper development. So I I think work needs to be done. I would love to see the Tuckers being brought back. I always thought they were a great family. Mike, Vicky and Bethany had some wonderful storylines. Mike in particular is a superb actor. So... I'd like to see Roy getting a bit of family back. I'd like to see Brenda coming back. I think she's just the right age to kind of balance out what's going on now and just replace that generation that got lost. Obviously, I'd love to see Debbie coming back. That would be fantastic. But I do think they need to re- readdress the balance there. If they leave it to these sort of 30-somethings and their carryings on, it's it's going to be dire. So let's hope we can replace some of our old friends with our new friends. And I've written a bit more about that on Twitter. Right. Interesting observation. I hadn't really thought about it the way that Jen actually said. But do you believe that we're missing a whole kind of phalanx of, of, a, of a generation of characters on the Archers? I actually seem to think it's the my age that are kind of missing. I know that's very self-centred of me to say. But I just I, the other day I was like, you know, when you're trying to remember who someone is when they get mm. referenced and you're like, so I was looking on the who's who and there's not really anyone sort of like late 20s I don't think and all the ones in their 30s early 30s seem to be so quickly settled down and I know that Ambridge is a small place but I think it's like not many people I know in their early 30s have two kids and a house and everything like that I think it's a bit different now and I guess I don't think Ambridge has quite grown to reflect it but I really agree with Jen when there is a certain generation of men with indistinguishable voices some of them and I'm like is this Roy is this Justin is this this person because a lot of them sound you know quite similar and 
yeah, we'd need a bit more spice. Is that the right thing to say? Oh, that, spice. Spice is, mo- is most definitely it. It does feel like we've had, yes, Ben has been around for 19 years, but we've only heard him on mic for about three, two and a half, whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah. But we've had Chelsea, Brad, we've had Ben, we've yeah, had Mia. Mia. Yeah. Etc. We seem to have had a whole load of late teens characters come in. And then I don't know if I'd actually say that the Tuckers going meant that there's a lot of middle aged characters went, but it does feel like we've had a lot of a certain type of character quickly. And to the point of indistinguishable voices, whenever Beth talks without context, I've no idea who it is. Yeah. Fair enough. I sometimes We've struggle got as well. Beth, Stella, and oh, there's a, there's another character, and with Brian, literally has to say hello, yeah. Stella, and I go right, okay, <laughs> you know, <laughs> got it, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. the the, yeah. the accusation that it's met with indistinguishable voices, yes, but it's also some of the female characters too. But anyway, moving swiftly on, is there anything else that that Jen put a finger on? Oh, what have I got on my notes? I'm copying Jacqueline again. I'd like to have my notes next to me. Yeah, I think we do need some a different generational new blood to come in, ruffle some feathers, get a couple of affairs going. <laughs> I want that. I want something. To, I, want to, I love an affair in the archers. I can't help it. I can't help it. Just love it. Love it. It's my favourite when I know what's going on, but they don't. Gotcha. <laughs> well, home record, Julia. They're going to absolutely. Suck. Hey. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Thank you for that call, Jen. Uh, as always, uh, you've been thought-provoking. Now we have not one, but two missives from Mixie Brit. Here is missive number one. Hi, Mixie Brit from the UK calling. I'm a third-time caller in a row. Thinking about the asymmetry of the relationship between Rory and Juliet, it's nothing to do with being paid or not. It's a commodified relationship. They're happy with it. They understand it. But what they don't understand is that Rory seems to be falling for her genuinely. And he just doesn't engage her quite in the same way. I predict that she has another relationship or similar relationships elsewhere. She doesn't need to have an escort. No woman does. But what she's doing is she's making a bit of a power move. Probably other women find her a bit ridiculous if she's obviously flaunting him. And men who are around her either ignore it or just might say, oh, that's just a thing that happens. It will be a bit of a dated thing that might happen. But if she is happy and if he is happy, that's all fine. But what is not quite fine is the fact that he is much more into her For him, it's going to be a real relationship which happens to be paid for. And for her, she's got a paid relationship. He happens to be interested in her. I predict that when he starts to get a bit too much, she will dump him pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. Now, just before we jump on to Mixie Brit's second call, anything there you want to get your teeth around? Yeah, I think like we we said that she's definitely had these relationships before and 
if you're experienced in having these relationships, Rory's not. And Rory might see it as this sort of blossoming relationship where she knows it's fully paid. And I think when Jen said there that it people might just think that Julianne's ridiculous. I just had this image of her in my head in like a brightly coloured like power suit. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Just in the corner of a room with a glass of champagne in her hand and it, she's got this great laugh and I just had this great idea of Julianne in my head and I'm not going to Google the actress's name because it's going to ruin it for me now. <laughs> I like that as a visual. I, I, I really do. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. But I also think it's really fascinating. I said this last week. It's really interesting for me. What storylines prompt people to call in, to be a caller in or out? And it's not necessarily what you'd think. So nobody actually called in this week and no. talked about Tracy and that storyline. Chelsea? There you go. There's <laughs> Chelsea and the pregnancy. We had, not that oh. it was a particularly big one, but we did have Josh and Beth. We had Shawla's send-off. We had even the yeah. baby naming ceremony. But yeah. all right, out of all of that lot, where do you want to go? I'm guessing you want to talk about Chelsea. Chelsea. All right. <laughs> I love her. I know, I know that you know I love her. But do you remember the last time I was on, I said, we're getting a scandal for Chelsea soon. And here we are. We've got two. We have the car keying. I knew it. I knew it. She's, I love her. She's so great. The, and we've also had a lot of press. We had the interview with the actress who played her as well. So I knew that something even bigger was coming. I haven't listened to Sunday night's episode yet where I think we find out the next bit of what's happened. But if she is pregnant and it's Russ's baby i'm gonna personally hunt down russ and have his guts for garters i can't stand him 
can't stand the man. What else have I written down about Chelsea here? I've got so many notes about Chelsea. I think I've written a full dissertation about Chelsea. Just one. Um, <laughs> if she your is pregnant, obviously, who about with with your notes and having <laughs> Russ's guts for garters? Let's not forget that if this baby was conceived at the festival, Josh was also there. True. God, that ben be, was there. That, no, Russ would still be worse. <laughs> but Ben is as sober as a judge, mm. right? No, actually, no, Ben was out of it, yeah. though, wasn't he? Ben was out of it. He was, I think, yeah. But still, I don't think that... Yeah. So I'm going to put Ben to one side. Josh Archer was there. Mm. I think they're willfully misdirecting us with Russ. It's so obvious because Russ and her have had they've interacted mm. and also he's got form with going for women half his age I put it to yeah. you Julia it's Josh Archer's love child <laughs> do you think she's ever going to tell us who the father is though I think this could be an ongoing thing I don't think she wants to tell anyone who else there's another it could be George as well couldn't it George is a cousin or something, though. I think it's... I was looking at the family tree as well. I think he's second cousin once removed. And also, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, <laughs> second cousin once removed, I think. They're closely... Incestia more, more, Ambridge they're, here. They're more closely related than that. But but either way, they're close, close-ish family. Yeah. Related. Yeah. Yeah. That George Grundy's that a, a wrong twist, one. I don't it? think he's that wrong. That would be incredibly <laughs> grim, wouldn't it? He'll be in prison for something else soon. Oh, yeah, we don't want that turn. Thank you, scriptwriters, on that one. I think when you touched upon the working class story with the Horribins at the moment, it does feel kind of like the scriptwriters are like, let's get a teenage pregnancy in there to fully just get a stereotype of what people perceive a working class family to be. But I had this thought earlier, and I think that it could turn I think we've had a termination story before was it Pip I could be completely I know wrong Elizabeth here. did way um, back well in termination the 90s. story Elizabeth yeah yeah I think someone discussed it on the Facebook group and I remember that being a thing but I think with it being such a political event this year with the overturning of Roe versus Wade I think it could be a story about an easy, easy access to termination when it's required because they wouldn't be able you know to afford another a mouth to feed in the Horobin household as much as they'd absolutely love the baby I think oh, we don't even know I don't even know if she's pregnant and I've got all these theories that but I just think well you know that could be a way that they go about it I think we can safely say that's what she said to her mom that she is yeah but anyway let's go on to Mixie Brit part deux Mixie Brit again just a quick comment on the theme of flattery being quite well written in recent episodes Justine was talking to Linda about the importance of flattery in business and we could see Juliet flattering Rory saying oh you're so obliged you're so agreeable but missing the point he wants to agree he's into her also Justine was flattering Rory by saying Oh, well done on finding this, you know, great connection. You're going to learn so much. And Ruby isn't actually motivated to learn from Juliet. He just enjoys her company. 
in a way that she doesn't quite enjoy his company. Hmm. Mixy Brit, I don't know if I quite agree with that last last statement. I think the whiskey sour, which Stephen made a point of kind of highlighting, is to show that he is trying to, if not learn from her, at least ape what he sees as being some of the elements you need in, in her world to go out to these expensive flash do's, conferences, etc. It's an air of sophistication. So if he's not directly learning from her, he's trying to affect somebody who fits into that world, surely. But anyway, young Julia, what says you? Yeah, he's definitely learning from her. And I think he might learn something about how she just, as someone mentioned, I think it was somebody mentioned earlier that she doesn't have she doesn't have a give a monkey's attitude that you know that what people might be thinking of her and I'm hoping that Rory starts to learn from that with people being quite rude to Rory actually at the moment I've also written something down that I wrote as a comment earlier this week when I was looking through Archer's Twitter is that people abbreviate script writer to SW and to me that reads as sex worker so I was having a whale of a time trying to decipher these tweets earlier on this week I was like the sex workers have written oh oh never mind never mind it's the script writers so be careful when I read the archers tweets later on thank you callerinners thank you for giving us your thoughts and feelings over the last weeks goings on in Ambridge and I'm shocked and stunned that none of you wanted to talk about the imminent departure of Shula Hebden Lloyd because I know she's such a beloved character. Now, on from caller inners to email inners, and we had one from Christine. Oh, the Archers has made me laugh and cry this week. Tracy made me cry when she was hiding that she'd been to the food bank and again when talking to Chelsea on Friday. The whole of Friday's interaction between Brad and Chelsea and Chelsea and Tracy had me in tears. The laughter, laughing in disbelief at Justin's interaction with Rory. Really? I do really feel that Rory is in over his head. Poor Chelsea. We didn't even know she was in a relationship. So is this something more sinister? Looking forward to hearing this dum to, this week's dum to dum and next week's episode. Keep safe, everyone. Christine. Thank you for that, Christine. And and yeah, I, I must. I, let's hope that it's nothing sinister. I think. Well, I, yeah. I think you know what I think. I said, I, I think it's the festival. Yeah, she won. What do people take of her? It's not eating my day. It would be an E. What are you taking when you go to a festival <laughs> and you decided to have some illicit drugs? What's your drug of choice, Julia? <laughs> Don't put this in the podcast. My mum will listen really? to it. <laughs> I can't say that. My mum will listen to it. No, don't put this in at all. I'll get murdered. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Fair enough. High on life. Oh. I'll say I I get uh, high on life gas, is what we do these laughing days. Gas. You know? <laughs> no, there are canisters of those absolutely everywhere at the moment. That's making I'm sounding. I always remember Lord Sugar once tweeted a picture of those on the floor and said there are bullets outside my flat. <laughs> Sorry, my house obviously he doesn't live in a flat. And I just always think of that whenever I see them on the floor. But yeah, I think it was one of those weeks where if you'd never listened to The Archers before and this was your first week, I think it would be an amazing first week to listen to because the story writing was great. It had me in fits of laughter too. And yeah, I, I welled up a little bit at Tracy. I think we've all come to love her so much as listeners over the last few months. And as you mentioned earlier, a lot of people who listen to The Archers are middle class and will never understand that hardship 
that Tracy's going through. And I think they addressed it really well. And I think Oliver was very tactful as well. I re- I'm really, I really like Oliver. Yeah, as well, character. he is. He's a total legend, isn't he, Oliver? And and also, Oliver and Tracy have had this very special friendship for the last few years. So it's good to know that it's still actually there. So there was an email, Rinra. Don't forget, if you want to join Christine in sending us an email, you go on to dumdum.com forward slash contact us and pen your thoughts there. Now, normally we talk about iTunes reviews, but you lot, not one of you, have decided to to write us in an, an iTunes review in the last week. Gutted I was. What? Let's hope that next week I won't feel so similarly bereft and there'll be a review or two for us to go through. Now, if there's no reviews now, I say, what has our Facebook group been talking about this week? Let's find out as we sit back for our roundup of all things going on in the Dumby Dum Facebook group with our Sue. Hello, my lovelies. It's Sue here, Queen of Tour on the Twitters with the first week of September social media roundup. The big story this week is whether Chelsea is pregnant with at least 10 posts speculating about this. Some of the posts were more carefully worded than others and I want to shout out Sandra Sayer. OMG, if it's raining outside, there's a tornado in the Horobim house. We'll say no more for the sake of omnibus listeners. As Jan Mitchell said, a perfect example of how to avoid a spoiler. Just to remind you, as it's been a while since we got such a cliffhanger to post something in the main post which doesn't give the game away, then feel free to post whatever you like in the comments. I've updated the Facebook group rules, which appear to have disappeared. Anyway, is she? Isn't she? And if she is, who's the daddy? Pam Delay put up a poll and Russ is currently in the lead with around half the votes. My brain says, ugh, that's icky, but I would love him to have his shoe... I would love to have his true colours shown to Lily. Rob Williams started a lovely thread about old films after the Jaws misquote, which I checked, and it is, you're going to need a bigger boat. My favourite version of this quote, as an aside, is, we're going to need considerably bigger buns from Calendar Girls. Lovely examples of films from Heidi, June, uh, Julie and Colette. Witherspoon shared an article about life expectancy in the UK, which is mirrored in the US, according to a link shared by Quentin Bennett. Changing the subject completely, Millie Hart says, does anyone else find Justin and his creepy business techniques decades out of date? Oh my, this opened up a lot of opinions. Elizabeth Llewellyn said Justin is Ambridge's answer to Donald Trump. Both are odious money-grubbing bastards who will do anything to add to their hoard. Peter Fox said, yep, Matt Crawford seems almost enlightened by comparison. To which Charlie Bird replied, apart from the thieving and murder by neglect, Matt was far worse. Seda Fahi, I hope I pronounced that right. I don't dislike Brian as much. Maybe it's because he's a character. He's more entertaining than Justin. But I did like the scene with Justin and the little dog. I liked that he knew how important the dog was to Lillian. Timothy Allen said, I found it rather amusing that Rory was absolutely fine with realising that he's a prostitute, but when it came to realising that he's essentially a young Justin Elliott, that was beyond the pale. Uh, And Sarah Forrester added, yes, and Lillian is getting on my nerves with the Alice situation too. 
give the woman a chance. Honestly, it was so much better when it was Tiger and Pussycat. Sounds like Charlotte Higgins is fed up of many things, including the implausibility of the Julianne Rory storyline. Thanks to Stephen Bowden for putting her column up. And Louise Lawton shared a letter from The Guardian about George's vocabulary. Apparently, he said, back off. Jeremy Howe said so, and he's the editor, so he should know. Martel van den Hoeven says, It's reassuring to know soap characters always find new jobs just around the corner. The list is endless, but I particularly remember Elsie Tanner returning after a long absence being offered a job at Mike Baldwin's Casuals. She only had to cross the street each morning. Or Pat Butcher in EastEnders making long bus rides all over London to find work without success until Ian Beale offered her a job at the cafe. And I'm linking this to a post by Julia Delwich, who said, that was a lovely episode. I do love Kenton. Gillian Corrigan said, the Ambridge job fairy strikes again. And Kate Lyle said, lovely, but so incredibly unrealistic. And I hate this complete disregard for any sort of employment legislation. Stomps off in humorless fashion. Tindara Sidotti McNary says, how is getting a job in a pub realistic? And Kate said, getting the job in the pub isn't realistic. Getting a job in the pub next door, which just happens to become available the second you want it, is. But Witherspoon said, but Tracy's been looking for a long time, both before and after she got the job in the chicken factory. It actually seemed odd she wouldn't have already asked Kenton. I agree. And finally, Carolyn Wright has given us two imaginary conversations this week. The normal Saturday, where we find out Xander and Martha's thoughts, but also a bonus conversation in the village shop. Susan is definitely not one for gossip. Check them out on the Facebook page. And if you haven't been to Facebook page lately, come on over and join in the chat. We love having new people join in and established people coming back. And we've got lots of new members coming in. Please remember to be kind to each other. We're all feeling the stress of the world right now. So play nicely. Stay safe, my lovelies. Until the next one. Thank you for that, Suey. And what did you do for your birthday? You're going to have to tell us. Because I have it on very good authority that it was your birthday this week. Our Queen Autart. And also thank you for everybody who posted their thoughts to our Dumpty Dum Facebook group. Now, if we're talking about Facebook, it's time to welcome our new members. This week we had... Natamir. Pierre Kelly. Laura Payne. Philippa Verake. Thank you for joining our merry band of Archers Addicts. Also, we're on Twitter under at DumTDum. Our team always includes the Archers hashtag using a capital T and A, so the visually impaired can enjoy any Archers-based tweets. Also, that hashtag is your gateway to the hugely enjoyable tweet-along, both in the evenings and during the omnibus. Also, try and include at DumptyDum in your tweet so more people get to see it, which helps keep our community growing. As well as finding us where we're at DumptyDum on Twitter, where can people find you, Julia? I am at JASKATE on Twitter. But as I mentioned the last time I was on, I don't really tweet about the archers too much. Now, if we're talking about Twitter, but now it must be time for Tweet of the Week. Bub Bumpkin, this is your time to shine. Hello, Royfield, Julia and Dumpty Dummers everywhere. It's Purple Pumpkin here with a selection of Tweets of the Week. My thanks as ever to the loyal group sending me nominations. Please do keep them coming and I think you'll spot some of your suggestions this week. If you're nostalgic for the days when P&Q hosted the podcast, you might want to take a look at the thread started by Stephen Bowden at Wenlock House when custard creams were mentioned in the Horribin household. 
all the joy of biscuit discussions resurrected for this week only. And I, I need to give two special mentions. First to Pat Brown, at Pat Alex T, who spotted that Oliver's getter-upperer sounded a bit like a caller innerer. And secondly, to a tweet from Paul Bronx, at Slender Sherbert, who posted a little video with the caption, Nothing says the weekend like an emu playing with a sprinkler, until he realised he could improve on it, except maybe an emu playing with a sprinkler to the theme tune of The Archers. Yes, it's an emu-themed Dumpty Dum video. Now to the medal winners for this week. In bronze position, it's Winston, Texas, at Winston, Texas, who responded to a thread for those baffled by Alastair and Jazza discussing drill. It's going to seem ridiculous writing this down, but it's kind of intense electronic dance music with rapping and its own current urban patois. I feel like a geography teacher explaining it now. Some younger people thought Winston ruined the genre for them, but the over 50s thank you for your service, sir. In silver, it's Charlie Notton at 19CEN. If you find yourself missing Shula, just reload, take more careful aim, let your breath out halfway and squeeze, not pull the trigger. And in gold, David from Barnet at David from Barnet had this little Radio 4 based gem. Here is the Twitter forecast for the next 75 minutes issued by the Tweeterological Office at 09.55 hours today, Sunday the 4th of September. Hashtag the Archers tweets, raising quickly from 10 hours, falling slowly from 11.15. Followers, consider yourself warned. That's it for this week. See you all again at the next Tweet Along. Thank you for that, Theo, our purple pumpkin. Now, that was Twitter, but we also have a presence on Instagram where we are at Dumpty Dum, funnily enough. So please follow us there. Now, Julia, I know that you're less of a Twitter person, maybe slightly more Instagram. Would I be correct in that summation? Slightly more Instagram, yeah. But also, once again, not much Archers-related content, I'm afraid. Not embarrassed about the Archers. Just don't think many of my friends want to read about my but thoughts on the goings-on in our The whole region <laughs> of Archers fans of Dumpty Dummers who are also on Instagram would want to know what you're up to. True. They can find out what I'm getting up to over my weekends, which doesn't include <laughs> very much other than a car boot sale and an Archers omnibus. <laughs> the excitement never ends when you're not even 30. <laughs> and just before we round this up, by getting Julie to read the last bit which is in red so just another shout out to say that this Friday the 9th of September at 7.30 British summertime you can be settling down with myself and Sonny Ormond who plays Lillian Bellamy on Zoom a dum-de-dum Zoom we will stream this also live on YouTube but it's more fun if you get get your bum on your sofa Put your laptop up on your coffee table and watch us there on the Zooms because then you can interact with us and ask a question. All the links will be made available ASAP. So please love to see you there. This is a way of just rounding up the summer before we go into autumn. Let's have all the Dunby Dummers out in force. Thanks as ever to all our lovely contributors and to our social media supremos, Shambridge for her voices and to our podcasting godmother, Lucy V. Freeman. 
Also, many thanks to Pete and Q for their sterling work over the last year. There you go. That's been your dum de dum. Take care. Thank Perfect. you, Julia. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, definitely don't include <laughs> that bit about it. <laughs> I was there like, no, my mum listened to it. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. 